back to another edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga. Today we have an exclusive interview with Cleveland Guardians' new Major League Field Coordinator, Kai Correa. Uh, Kai was able to join us via Zoom uh, to talk about uh, coming back to Cleveland and back to the organization, uh, his level of excitement to uh, reconnect with some of the players that he worked with a few years back at the uh, club's Arizona training complex, and uh, you know just what he's looking forward to in terms of uh, being on Stephen Vogt's first staff here in Cleveland. Uh, we also got into a little bit of his background and his history, including uh, his upbringing and uh, playing with and for uh, his grandfather, one of the legendary coaches in uh, Hawaii high school baseball history, and really just how he arrived uh, in the major leagues. And uh, at the end, we talk a little bit about uh, his involvement uh, in social media and how uh, he used uh, clips of his training uh, videos to uh, entice players to, to come uh, as, as a recruitment tool uh, and when he was in Northern Colorado. Uh, and then how uh, when he was in San Francisco uh, continuing to make those videos, uh, the Giants really sort of turned him into uh, a little bit of a, an, an online uh, viral sensation with, with some of his training uh, techniques. Uh, and he brings all of that back to Cleveland. So we get into it with Kai Correa. Uh, excited to uh, have him come to Cleveland and interact with fans here uh, soon at the uh, upcoming Guardians Fest uh, on January 20th, but uh, definitely uh, looking forward to having him uh, on the Major League staff throughout the season. Uh, here's our interview with Kai Correa. All right, we're joined by Guardians Major League Field Coordinator uh, Kai Correa. Uh, Kai, welcome to the Guardians. Welcome to Cleveland. I, I guess right off the bat, uh, what uh, what makes you excited to want to be a part of uh, Stephen Vogt's staff and and really this this organization? No, thanks. Th- thanks for having me, and, and thanks for welcoming me back. I couldn't be more excited. I think it's it's kind of multifaceted, um, but the first thing and foremost, the center of any major league uh, organization are the players. The players themselves and I think I did like a rough head count and um, there's like 30 of the 40 guys on the 40 man roster that I interacted with when I was one of the coordinators right so having that familiarity that excites you you know that personal relationship because that's how all coaching relationships begin the second thing is just the the youth and athleticism of the possession player group it's such a dynamic group they can run they can play multiple positions they're um, well above average defenders um you know, some like incredibly notable, like Kwani has, has risen to the national scale where everyone knows, and, and Jimenez, and then others who are on the rise, you know, the young guys, Darius is the Tenas, the Rokios, and so um, the Tyler Freemans. So that that player group, that first and foremost, they excite me the most. They're at the center of our universe as a, as a baseball club. And then the second component is the, the staff. Um, the staff excites me. Obviously, Vody's reputation precedes itself you know he and I knew each other a little bit um through other connections Mm -hmm. Uh, but the opportunity to work with for with and for a man of his character that really drew me and um and then the staff itself was very similar to my experience with the players I think I got added to that group thread and I only had to save like two new numbers (laughs) you know because those guys were either the coordinator uh, like in the minor leagues with me when I was a coordinator or they were on the major league staff. So it's a, 
it's a fun group in regard to familiarity. And then the last thing is the the larger folks in the front office, the front um, in scouting, in player development, um, in baseball operations, and research and development. Just the caliber of those people, how how thoughtful they are, how family friendly they are, how process oriented. My wife and I were were drawn to be back with those folks as well. So uh, I couldn't be more excited. Yeah, you mentioned this is your second go around with the organization, so there's there's that familiarity there as well. Uh, just your journey to to getting that that major league opportunity uh, really came through. You're uh, obviously Hawaii native, uh, school in Tacoma, and and then from there just into coaching and and that that sort of journey and that path. Uh, what about that uh, is is sort of going to are you going to draw upon to to sort of uh, as you participate in this role with the organization, this new role with the organization uh, moving forward? Yeah, I, I think the thing that my journey always provides me is like good context. And I think when you have context, you have, it's easy to have gratuity. You know, yes, I've been a major league bench coach for the last couple of years, but I'm also, you know, a decade removed from mowing my own infield. <laughs> and, and and shoveling the snow off the infield to make sure we could practice and things like that and so when you come from that journey when you don't you're not born in baseball's pole position you're grateful for everything you're grateful to stand in a major league state stadium and work with major league players you don't have the woe is me all oh, this circumstance and that circumstance and so kind of that mentality and the cleveland mentality of of being you know slighted or taken for granted are aligned in in, in my case Oh, one of the things you won't have to worry are you won't have to worry about shoveling the snow, but it will exist here in Cleveland in those early games in in March and April. But you're prepared for that, uh, uh, having uh, coached at uh, what Northern Colorado as well. I mean, I'm sure the conditions weren't ideal there for for infield play, at least. Without question, without question. But um, n- nothing is nothing's colder than San Francisco. Uh, you know, I think what is that? That's like the Jack London quote, quote, right? He said the coldest winter he ever spent was a summer in San Francisco. <laughs> and so we're, we're wearing sleeves and sleeves and sweaters in, in July for night games in San Francisco. On So uh, I've had four years of being bundled up and it doesn't bother me much. Well, Tito would always tell horror stories about playing games at Old Candlestick and hot dog wrappers blowing in your face and, and your wind, your face being cho- uh, wind burned and yep. chapped after just sitting out there. Uh, you know, in the, down the right field line or whatever. Uh, great. So good. We, we've got you accustomed to the, to the, to the conditions already. It's not going to be a problem. Uh, the, the relationship with Stephen Vogt through the hiring process, uh, having already known Craig Albernez from, from San Francisco, how do you see where you fit in with that, uh, that pair and, and what they're going to be like in terms of just sitting there, uh, you know, I, I get the feeling from Steven, it's not just, hey, this is my buddy and he's going to listen to everything I say and I'm going to listen to everything. It, it seems like they want some sort of conflict. They want to bounce ideas off of each other. Yeah, I think that in a major league baseball thing game, a lot's happening. Things are happening fast. Decisions need to be made. There's multiple things at play and more heads are you know better than one. Right? You can get stuck. You can have a blind spot. And so I think when you're constructing a staff, you want to construct, you want to accumulate people that cover your blind spots, that have different experiences, that look at the game slightly different ways. And that uh, was an element to a great deal of success that Tito and Millsy had, and then in turn, Tito and DeMarlo had. Mm-hmm. And so recreating that with different levels of experiences, I think an important component to all of this is having folks that are willing to challenge, willing to ask the tough questions, willing to present an alternative point of view. 
So that way you're making sure you're, you're, you're thinking about things at a global level when you're making a baseball decision. Because something as simple as pinch hitting for someone, mm-hmm. it has strategic ramifications, but it also has cultural ramifications. And the more people who are thinking about all those things, the ball player and the person in all of those moments, uh, I think it makes you better. And, and for me, I just, um, I see myself as just being another one of those voices at the table. You know, somebody who's got a different perspective, who's, you know, not afraid to be sh- sharing it with those two guys. Yeah, it's interesting. It's not just the chess match of three moves ahead during the game. It's also, hey, when we get back to the clubhouse, you know, there might be some some blowback on something when a, a guy comes out or a guy gets pinch hit for and all that. And uh, it, it's interesting to hear that that's something that you you're constantly thinking about. Without question, this is a this is a game played by people, by human beings. You know, it's so easy in the modern era when you have such an influx of information to dehumanize that. And so you always have to inject that into your thought process. You can get a marginal upgrade. You know, you can make a move in the game that increases your chances of winning by 1%, but it decreases the mood in the clubhouse by 5% over the next week. Mm-hmm. Is that worth the, the trade? No, the juice isn't worth the squeeze there. You know, and so I think those kind of conversations and having a very thoughtful man like Vody, who's been played all the different roles in the clubhouse, um, it's going to be very easy to, to have those types of discussions. Because he knows how. Go ahead. Uh, I I mean the, the the turn of phrases that you're using. It, it sounds like you know coaching is obviously in your blood, and I want to talk about the your, your family and the the history there. Uh, I mean, you still go back to to the island and conduct off season uh, clinics uh, in in memory of your your grandfather Jimmy, who was you know one of the the, the greatest high school coaches in in Hawaii history. Uh, you know, what was, uh, what's something that stands out that, that you might've picked up or learned from him, obviously so many lessons over the years, but, uh, I, I want to hear about that. And, and I also want to hear about him playing against former big leaguers because that fascinates me. Uh, the, the idea that he did that. Well, I, you know, I think that, um, the, the first thing is there, the, the thing that I learned from him, right. was the element of, of social wealth, something I've referred to before, just like seeing how grown men would react to him, firefighters and the baker mm-hmm. and police officers and the guy in the garage because he coached them and realizing the value of a coach and the role that plays in somebody's development, right? And so that's the first thing that he really imprinted on me as the primary person who was my after-school care is you got to see how impactful that role could be um, and, and how much you could influence lives. And so that's why I was drawn to it out of the gates. Mm-hmm. The second way he strongly impacted me was... He exposed me to 300, 400 level baseball classes as a little boy sitting there on the bucket with my binder paper doing my homework. And by the time I came around, he, is, he had no longer been the head coach. And my uncle was the head coach of one high school and my father was the head coach of another in town. Oh, wow. And he's kind of took the role as the primary second guesser to the, <laughs> to the both of them. You know, and, and I can think about, you know, memorable moments. Some members of my family and I were discussing this the other night. But there was a, a, an important game with a runner on second base, a playoff game. And my grandfather wanted to intentionally walk a three-hole hitter on the other team. And my father said, no, I, I trust this matchup. I'm going with it. And so the pitcher saws the guy off. He hits a weak ground ball to the first baseman. And he turns to my grandfather, kind of palms up with the Jordan, you know, the Jordan palms up. Yeah, like, yeah. See. And the first baseman promptly misses the ground ball. And my grandfather points over his shoulder and goes like that, like, you know, see. And so that's the uh, that's that old fashioned um, baseball dialogue I grew up with. That was the Mm -hmm. dinner table discussion. And so being exposed to that gets you hooked. 
And so I had both ends of the spectrum, the love of like the influence imp impacting people's lives and then the love of the chess match and those, those decisions and, and the, the waterfall effect that comes from. Them. That, that, that had to have been, uh, you know, a, 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 an interesting uh, dinner conversation afterwards, after that uh, um, uh, play happened in, in the game. Uh, what about the, the former big leaguers and, and, and yeah, that, those that's really, cool. so my grandfather, um, who's obviously since passed, he was born in 1919. Mm -hmm. So his peak in terms of playing was pre, um, pre integration, right. Pre Jack mm -hmm. major leagues. And so his opportunity to play against big leaguers came in two fashions. The first is in barnstorming games. So oftentimes in that era, if a major league team or a major league all-star team, like they often do now in present day, go to like Japan or Korea right. to play. They stop in Hawaii to train and they play the local all-star team of like the semi-professional players. Okay. And so my grandfather was like one of the more notable catchers of his time. And so he would often be the catcher. So he's the catcher. I've got a photo here on the wall in my office where it's uh, grandpa and Yogi. Oh, wow. You know, so he's he's taken down at bats against Whitey Ford and Don Larson. We've got old box scores where it's like the, the offseason, the Don Larson throws the perfect game. Grandpa's got two hits, you know, oh, so it's, wow. it's really cool. And he tells this fabulous story where they threw like a young thumb in breaking ball left hander mm -hmm. against the Yankees. And, you know, he's holding them down. And I guess Yogi comes to the plate and taps him on the shin guards. And he said, hey, Jimmy, you see all these people? They didn't come here to. To watch the Yankees get shut out, shut out. So start calling some heaters. Oh wow! Yeah, and uh, uh, you know, everyone said, "Well, Grandpa, what did you do?" He said, "Well, you listen to Yogi Berra." <laughs> you know, that's great. That's... And so that's he had. And then the second reason he, he had that major league exposure um, is he served in World War II, mm -hmm. in, and he was in Guadalcanal okay. in the Southern Islands. And there's they built a baseball facility there. And so they did a lot of like recreational games and formed the league. And so there was quite a few major league pitchers or, um, and players in that league. And so in your battalion or whatever it was, I don't want to use the, in the incorrect terminology, there could be a, another battalion could have a White Sox reliever who throws hard and they don't have a catcher right? who could catch him. So Grandpa would get transferred. Move, so move different somebody. units and stuff yeah wow. units so he could so that therefore there was somebody to catch you know uh, catch that guy you know as he's trying to stay in shape and 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 throw in games you know over that 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 whatever multi-month multi-year span and so this all accumulated um where they had the championship game mm -hmm. and it was grandpa's team where he was the player coach against uh bill veek's team oh wow so that's yeah. a Cleveland connection there, obviously. Yeah, exactly. So uh, like a ton of of cool little crazy overlaps in his kind of story. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because I was one of his youngest sons, younger son, one of, his young, one of his younger grandchildren, I was around, you know, when he's an old man where you're just hearing these you stories hear all and, and you're going through these um, these notebooks and these and these uh, newspaper clippings from whatever the 30s, the 40s, you know, mm -hmm. the 50s, and so that was a that was a cool thing that these folks, major leaguers, were like mythological creatures to me. You know, man and grandpa's in photographs of grandpa. Yeah, I just sort of I I was reading up on all this and I, I sort of had these these visions of your grandpa catching Bob Feller and eventually you know you coming to coach in Cleveland and that is some sort of like crazy thing like that yeah no that was amazing I uh I, I was thinking about that I think he would have told me if he caught Bob Feller I, uh, yeah I, 
you know, I think some people probably would tell their grandkids they caught Bob Feller if they didn't catch Bob Feller. But, <laughs> but probably have. He, yeah, I know he was Feller was in, in the Pacific, mm-hmm. but um, I I cannot remember Grandpa had once listed off the major leaguers he caught and he wasn't he wasn't on there for him. And so, yeah. I, I, as disappointing as it was, it's still a cool story. Probably in another unit or another time or something like that. That would still uh, I, we could write a nice fiction piece and that'd be great. Uh, last thing I want to hit on uh, before we get get going here, um, uh, content creation, uh, videos, social media. Uh, it's it's one of the ways sort of you popped up on Gabe Kapler's radar uh, when he was with the Dodgers and, and all that. But uh, just what's what's your, I, I guess, level of uh, involvement with that? Or is it you just go out and do your drills and work with the players and somebody else uh, videos it? And, and I, I love the uh, that guy Kai is the 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 handle you have there uh, uh, on on social on TikTok and on uh, on Reels and stuff. Uh, I'd love for for all the Guardians fans to follow you and 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 pick up on it because even uh, you know marginal uh, just to to be able to to learn more about the ins and outs of what goes on when you guys are working not just on at game day but behind the scenes. It's uh, it, it's interesting. So uniquely enough. Um... I've actually never driven that production myself. So it's always been circumstantial. So it all started because I was trying to raise money for our underfunded program in Northern Colorado. Okay. And so those were actually commercials to then come to camp. So then that's how we would pay for our equipment or our airplane tickets to a non-conference game. So that's how it all started. Oh, wow. And then people started following it from there as not as commercials, but as instructional videos. And then when I went to, years later, went to San Francisco, that was something that the Giants production team did on their own. So they would film practice and cut it up and do that. And so all the things that you see in social media to present day aren't probably produced by me. I just happen to be the person talking. Um, however, I do enjoy it because I think it's really good for teachers and coaches to condense yeah. and boil down their lessons into clips, right? A, for, for the modern learner, like that, the, the modern student, he or she consumes information like that in these like 30 second bursts. And then it also helps you be really thoughtful about language. And what's the main thing, right? Oftentimes when we think about coaching, we think about everyone gathered on a knee, standing there in front of a little league coach and the guy goes on this long soapbox, 30 minute talk and the retention is really poor when quality coaching is these quick hitters. And so that's why I think social media has always been fun for me because it really makes you boil down your thoughts and, and be concise and, and be precise with what you're deciding to say and when you're deciding to say it. And so that's the why I've had a largely positive experience with, with coaching and social media being combined. Yeah, the, the platforms have changed so much. I mean, it used to be uh, with uh, what was the, the one platform where you only had six seconds to, to get across a, a, a thought or whatever. Yeah, so exactly. you, you do have to sort of be concise and, and, and precise with all of that. Uh, editing helps too, I guess. But, uh, but no, uh, you, you, I could sit there and watch uh, your, your instructional videos just for hours because you know, I go and I sit and I watch my my fourteen year old practice, and it's it's a lot of the same sort of ideas. Is, is like, no, you, you don't don't just sit there and and spit stuff at the kids. You know, it's it's show them and it, the the movements and, and everything. It's all it's all fascinating to me to, to to sort of watch it being done at the highest level. I guess is is sort of the the key there. Well, my favorite part about the whole thing is that it's free. Mm-hmm. Right. Any person, whether you're a, a father, an uncle, a grandfather, a little league coach, a high school coach, they have access to all this information now. And I think that kind of c- carries on like the spirit of my grandfather. Right. He never got a dollar to coach in his life, you know, from 
you know, from when he first started coaching to his passing. And so um, obviously I do it as a profession, but that sharing of information and that community, uh, you know, it still occurs for free. And so that's a, that's a fun thing for me. Well, uh, you're going to have to go, uh, you know, purchase some, some warm uh, clothing and, uh, you know, you're coming for Guards Fest in, in January, a chance for uh, Guardians fans to, to meet you in person and, and, you know, maybe sign some autographs and, and talk to some folks. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, and then uh, it, it's, it's, I, can, I can just tell you, it's just not fun being here at the first month of the season. Uh, those games are just not great. Even in the press box, it's, it's kind of awful. So uh, be prepared for that. Uh, can't wait to, to have you show up here and, and, and uh, get with these, these Guardians players and, and see what you can uh, help them become, I guess, is we're still just finding that out with, with a lot of these young players. Andres Jimenez, you mentioned, Gabriel Arias, you mentioned, but also these uh, guys like uh, Jose Ramirez and, and Josh Naylor, they, they can also sort of benefit from, from what you're able to, to bring. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. All right, Kai Correa, and uh, we'll be back with more on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast in a minute. All right, that's going to do it for today's edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. We'll check back in with you again later on this week.